0: All right, well, if you have a Bible, if you turn with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2, I would appreciate that. Um, we are continuing in a series that we started in November called Written So That You May Believe. And as we look at this series, uh, it's it just smack dab right now in the middle of Advent, go figure, right in Christmas time when we're talking about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, really excited to, to go into this today uh, and to look at the birth of Jesus. We'll be in, uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. We've trekked through a lot of territory. Uh, during this Christmas season and we've we've seen the announcement to Zechariah about the birth of John who would then point the way to Jesus we've seen the announcement to Mary and Joseph we've seen Mary go to Elizabeth and Zechariah's house and the interaction between the babies in the womb and the interaction between the relatives and the songs and the praise that came from that Uh, and this week we're looking at uh, last week we looked at the birth of John and and the excitement around that and what that brought and today we are looking at the birth of Jesus and what that brings. So it's going to be a wonderful story to, to go through, uh, Luke chapter two, and we'll uh, we'll see what that implies. Uh, because it's family friendly service, we break up the music and the sermon. So we'll be, I'll be preaching some now, singing some more, preaching some later, doing a, a little kids' corner skit. Uh, it's going to be a really fun time with that too. A lot of kids have worked really hard on that. All right, well let me pray for us and uh, let's let's read our scripture. Father, we are so glad to be here today. We're so glad that you uh, are filled with grace and that you have given us Jesus. God, to be our Savior. God, there are so many other saviors in the world that we, we run to, but they aren't the Savior, the capital S Savior you are, and we're thankful for the grace that you've given us. God, as we look to your scripture now, your word, may you open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to it. We pray that you would, by the power of your Spirit, convict us of any sin or wrong thinking. God, that you would move in our hearts, stir in our hearts action, and stir in our heart repentance, and stir in our hearts faith that we would believe and trust in Christ as Savior. We thank you for this season. We thank you for this moment, this time, where we can stop and pause and reflect even more deeply that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in Luke chapter 2. We'll go ahead and read the account, uh, verses 1 through 20 together, and then we'll break that down and see what that is meaning for us. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each with his own town. Joseph also went up uh, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David. He went there to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no uh, room available in the, uh, in the guest house. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped tightly in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord as made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been. Well, we're going to look at this today in depth, and we're going to look at four different points. Uh, we'll look at two right now before we go into back into worship. But We're going to look at uh, four different points about the birth of Christ. And you have your sermon notes there if you wanted to follow along or take notes. You certainly can do that. There's also discussion, questions on the back of that you can have with your family maybe today or this afternoon uh, to increase just your, your joy and your, uh, your wonder in Jesus there. So number one, the birth of Christ brought us a real Savior. The birth of Christ brought us a real Savior. Now, it's important that we look at this text and understand what what I mean by that and what the world really needed. I mentioned kind of in our prayer that we we do look, everywhere we go, we look for something to save, something to rescue, something to to fill the void that might be in our heart. Let's look at the text, verses 1 through 7 again. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This was the first registration that took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. So also Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in t- tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no room, uh, no, no guest room available for them. Now let's, let's break this down and and talk about this. I want to, I want to talk about the first person we see here, a decree from Caesar Augustus. This is Octavian. This is a great nephew of Julius Caesar. So this is riddled with historicity, right? We, we can see this person in time and in history. So Octavian came to power, and when he came to power after Julius Caesar was murdered, he, he became powerful in a triumvirate, right? He had, he had himself, and Mark Antony, and Lepidus, and, and that was the triumvirate. And then eventually Lepidus uh, was, was relieved of power. And then Mark Antony and Cleopatra, the thing with Egypt going on, uh, that kind of threatened Rome. And, and then that was Octavian's opportunity to stand up and say no more. And he, in the battle, he, he fought and won against uh, Mark Antony. So now he is the Caesar of Rome. And, and while he was there, because of the, the peace that came after that victory and the turmoil that was no longer there, he was still ruthless, by the way. But because of the the peace that was there, the Senate actually approved his title to be Augustus Caesar. Never had been done before. And Augustus, that that term was a revered term, usually only used when talking about the Greek gods. It meant revered or holy one. They, They were identifying that Caesar, that Octavian, had brought forth peace in a way that made him their savior. Ooh, right? Uh oh! Now, a lot of commentators say, "Well, there's not there's not a lot of reason why Luke wrote the way he did." And as Luke Luke gives us this this testimony, I think there's a lot of reasons Luke wrote the way he did. And for me, as we go into the next part of this text in verses four through seven, we see some things that Luke points out to show a contrast between the savior of the world, little s savior, and the real savior of the world. You see, when you have Augustus Caesar, you have Octavian. He is a man who rose to power right? He fought his way to power. Maybe he earned his way to power. Maybe power was thrusted upon him and responsibility thrusted upon him. However, he, he got that. He was still a man, and he, he was elevated from that man position to what? To a god. Now, a small g god, but to an idol, to someone that was worshiped and revered. In fact, uh, his birthday when celebrated, we'll see how the angels, uh, when they come and talk to the shepherds, right, they use uh, good news of great joy. That was a salutation used when it was Caesar's birthday, the time we celebrate good news of great joy because of, of the peace that Caesar brought to Rome. So when Luke presents this narrative, he is doing so in the face of, of a God that people have entrusted themselves to that really isn't the Savior. Do you understand? So as we go through this, let, let's look at this. We've got the background. Um, he, he, was, he was thought to be, uh, Octavian, the, 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 the Savior of Rome. So in a period of time... Where the emperor was known for his reign of peace, God raises up a child of peace. The real emperor of peace is not Jesus, or is Jesus, it's not Octavian. That's the real prince of peace, right? And we see that. So let's look at the, uh, the look at verse 4 again, 4 through 7. So we see that that he's taking power, and he says, he, he decrees that a census should be taken. Basically, he's like, I, I want, and, and the empire was huge. So the entire Roman world was was under his authority, and he wanted, he wanted a tax. This was a tax. You were going to register, so we knew your name and knew your location, and we could tax you. He wanted more power. He wanted more prestige. He, wa- he wanted more money. So he sets, he sets this decree out to go register. And then we see Joseph went up from uh, the town of Nazareth. So you have Joseph, who's living in Nazareth, right, with Mary, and we know that she's now pregnant. And it's very likely that she is, she and Joseph are now married, but they're still using the word betrothed here, and because they haven't been sexually intimate yet. Right? That was something saved and reserved until after the baby was born. We see that in, in Scripture. So we're going to see why, why that's important here in a minute. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. So you have Galilee, this place that we're, we're referencing in Isaiah 9. There's prophecy here. So Luke is showing, showing all of these fulfillments. That, that we're going to see the this, this sun that rises uh, on, this, on the darkness coming from Galilee. And then it says, he went to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Why? Because we know that the, the, the baby will be born in the city of David, and he's of the house and line of David. So he's there in Bethlehem, born, and he was of the house and family and line of David. And he's going to be registered along with Mary, who was pregnant. So all of these scriptural fulfillments are being, are being fulfilled. All these prophecies are being fulfilled. And it's amazing. It's huge to see that there's this, this man who has become like a god, but then what, what Luke is presenting is that there is a god who who transcends all of time, who uses, who uses even someone's decree for a census to make sure it's in line with God's sovereign plan to bring forth a Savior. That God became flesh, became a man. And that's the ultimate beauty of this. It's not it's not that we can fight and claw our way to power or status, it's that God Almighty humbled himself and met us on our level, on our turf, in order to be a a a, a, a propitiation, a, a place in place of us on the cross that he could die god became man so he could die for you and for me so there's all these prophecies being fulfilled and then it said uh, he was there along with mary who was engaged to him and was pregnant right so he was they were engaged betrothed the marriage wasn't final because there wasn't that consummation of intimacy there she was still a virgin and that is total prophecy as well that that it would come from a virgin the baby would come forth from a, a virgin this is, this is God's power coming into humanity in, in a huge, humble way for you and for I. And then she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger. Her firstborn son. This is a baby. This is humble, flesh, helpless child. God of the universe has humbled himself and come to be what we could never be and to do what we deserved. A lowly st- stable was the Messiah's first throne room. He was really God. He was really the Savior of all. And this is a huge thing against the strength of man and the, and the, and the humility of God. And we try so hard and we see all around us people's efforts trying to reach God and earn their way to God and do their very best to to make it. The message of of the gospel, the message of Christ, God coming to earth as a man, says you and I can't make it. I've said this before, that little baby is the biggest rebuke for anyone who could ever think they could do it on their own. That baby that came as a helpless child, God in flesh, was more capable to save us than we are strong and powerful. That's who Jesus is. I want to read a little little part of a poem i found i thought it was pretty interesting it says quiet he lies whose vigor hurled a universe he sleeps whose eyelids have not closed before the one jesus the one who asked job where were you when i laid the foundations of the earth tell me if you have understanding when i made made the clouds a garment and of thick darkness, its swaddling band, now he, the same one who asked Job that, lays wrapped in swaddling cloths. See, the wonder of God became flesh, is that the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God became a baby, the very savior we all needed. See, he was the real deal. Octavian had nothing on Jesus. Number two. The birth of Christ was then announced from heaven. It was announced from heaven. Look at, look at verses 8 through 14. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. This was a beautiful display. And as we look at this, I, I want us to understand this announcement came from heaven very similarly. The announcement to Zechariah and the announcement to Mary and to Joseph from the angel Gabriel, right? Angel Gabriel comes from heaven, face to face with God, and makes the announcement. But those announcements were were more intimate to just family, right? The family got those announcements, and the family reveled in those announcements. The, The interesting thing about this announcement now, now that the Messiah has been born, there is a heavenly announcement about his birth. And that announcement went to the people who represent all people, to lowly shepherds shepherds keeping watch over their fields. The angels appeared and said, listen, there's something huge happening here. And it was interesting that they went to the, the shepherds because they, they were lowly. They weren't the rich. They weren't the elite. They weren't the, some, the people that could, could do a marketing campaign for the Messiah. Or at least you wouldn't think they could. But he went to the lowly, the ones that were humble, and, and the very ones in humility were able to respond to the message about Christ. Christ. And I want us to see that in Scripture. That's so important for us to realize that the humble are the ones who receive the message, right? When, when the angels came and saying there was, there was two things happened. First, they gave glory to God. So there was a vertical relationship. There was a vertical glory. There was a, there was a praise of God in what He'd done. He had brought the real deal Savior to the world, that God became flesh. And there was all praise and glory to, to God. I talked to someone this last week about this, and they, they said, imagine the heavenly hosts, the heavenly armies, the angels of God, imagine them standing on a hillside outside of bethlehem and, and and maybe they didn't have the plan right who knows they're just following our orders but they're ready they're like we're going to take this on we're going to make sure the king of kings really reigns and they're ready and when they go there what they find is that he's been born as a baby in a manger not as a horse yet or, or a man riding on a horse with a sword out of his mouth that's in revelation they, they thought well maybe, maybe he's ready to go let's ready to take it on but the way he took on the world was through a baby And think about the amazement, even the angels, like as they sang praises to God, God, only you could find a way to do it like this. Only you could find a way to bring yourself to earth in the most lowly of ways, where you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and you could come down and strike us all dead where we deserve. You came as a lowly baby to seek and save the lost, to serve and love and die in place of sinners like me. Who would respond to that message? The humble and lowly. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, this good news comes to the humble hearts, and and, and the humble hearts respond and react with great joy. Uh, This idea of great joy is coupled often with salvation, and I want to read two instances of that in Luke chapter 15. This is when we see the parable of the prodigal son and the lost coin and the lost sheep, and you'll see this rejoicing in heaven, this angel's rejoicing in heaven says, I tell you in, in chapter 15, verse 7, I tell you in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. See, the angels are praising God because of the opportunity given for salvation and great joy in that salvation. Verse 10, he says, I tell you in the same way there's great joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. See, the good news of great joy was this, that while we were dead in our sin, God offered us life through Jesus Christ. That he came to say, you can have life where you deserve death. That I can give you victory over sin if you would turn from it and turn to me. Get rid of all those other saviors you think are saving you and come to me instead. Again, this was a, I think, a rebuke as, as Luke writes this, this is showing that it's not Octavian's birthday who, where we say, this is good news of great joy and there's peace on earth it's through the presence and birth of Jesus Christ that we see good news of great joy and peace on earth and I think Luke contrasts that for us we can see that, that, that Jesus is the bigger deal because Octavian died and every leader after him died or will die but Jesus lives he is the victorious one Octavian's birthday, there was like, a, think about it even, even now. We have our 4th of July celebration. We celebrate the freedom we have in America, and we're proud to be an American. We wear red, white, and blue, and we fly the flag, and we shoot off fireworks, and, and show, show the world, hurrah, we love freedom, and we fight for freedom, and that's amazing. There's a sense of pride when it comes to national freedom. But what, what Octavian could produce is national freedom. Jesus said, i can only, I can I'm the only one that can give you eternal freedom. There's a national freedom, great, that comes and goes. But the eternal freedom is the hope, is the good news of great joy that I bring to you so that you could be saved. Now, I want to take a trip back here to, to John chapter 1. We started this series uh, in November, and we, we talked about this section. And it was very important to understand the, the, the kind of culmination and the, the pinnacle of this passage in, in John 1, 1 through 18. We see in, in verses 10 through 13, I'm going to read this. It says, he was in the world, talking about Jesus, right? He was in the world, and the world was created... Through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. Again, there's a lowliness of, of heart, a humility that has to take place right here for us to be able to respond and recognize him. And if there's pride or if we're full of other saviors, we won't. And verse 11 said, He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, But yet, here, here's the hope part of this for you and I, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who would believe in his name. That's the hope we have at Christmas, that, that this lowly, lowly shepherds were, were the ones who were, they were announced to, the heaven announced to lowly shepherds, because they resembled people like you and I, who ought to be lowly and humble in heart, poor in spirit, so we can see Jesus for who he is, the Savior that we desperately, desperately need. You see, at the birth of Christ, a real Savior was given to us, and as heaven rejoiced over the salvation offered to the lowly and humble, they were rejoicing because the lowly and humble could believe and be eternally transformed by faith in this child, the Savior, God in flesh. At this point in our service, I want to invite uh, our, our worship team back up. Uh, invite the ushers to come forward. We're going to have an offertory prayer here in a minute. And, uh, and Stephanie, I think you're going to be doing a, a special as well. Stephanie, if you'd come up as well. Um, and then we're going to, uh, to receive offering, we're going to offer praise to God again. Um, let's all bow in prayer, though. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful so much that, that you are the real gift of Christmas, that you came from the glory of heaven, the splendor of heaven in your majesty as God and became man in flesh to, to understand our weaknesses but ultimately to die, to take a place on a cross that we all deserve. So we thank you for the gift that you have given us through Jesus. God, as we continue today, we, we ask that you would receive our worship, that you would be glorified, that we would overflow from praise in our heart, that you have reached down and looked at a lowly person like us and said we could have value and we could have life in Jesus. So we bless his name today, and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we, we've talked about the fact that uh, Jesus' birth brought about the real deal Savior, right? And we, we know that that's so important for us to understand that there are all kinds of other saviors that we can have in our heart or have in our, our midst that we, we put more credit in than Jesus, but he came to be the real Savior, the one that would save fully. And we talked about the fact that his, his birth was announced from heaven, and God was praised and glorified, and then it was not only was it a vertical, there was a horizontal that, that his birth, that Jesus, the God becoming a man, would bring peace on those who would humbly accept his message and believe the gospel and that's where we're called to be as re- receiving that message um, the next two points uh, kind of wrap up the the text and uh, the next one is this the birth of christ number three it was confirmed on earth so it was it was announced from heaven and then it was confirmed on earth and we're going to see that in the text in verses 15 and 16 let's read those together it says when the angels had left them and returned to heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go straight to bethlehem and see what has happened which the lord has made known to us they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So they had heard this great, wondrous announcement, right? The angels came and said, there is something big happening that is for all people. You need to check it out. You need to understand this, the, the grandeur of this. And then they hurried to figure it out and to find it out and to see it for themselves. Here's what I want to challenge us with today. There are so many opportunities we have during this life. And if we actually, if we looked back at our lives, we would see all the times that God was just tapping on our shoulder, giving us a message from Him throughout the Word of God, through a song we heard, through a friend who was speaking and sharing about Christ with us. There are all kinds of opportunities in our life where where God is tapping on our shoulder to get our attention. It's what we do next with that that's so important. See, there have been countless announcements from heaven there's been countless stories and messages about Christ that have been given to all of us. It's what we do next with that. The shepherds could have said, that's nice, thanks for the song. We've got to go back to our sheep. But they didn't. See, God, God's message stirred action in their heart. See, God stirs and calls out to our hearts, revealing Himself. But there must be an action on our part In faith to run towards him. See, they had heard, but they had not yet seen. And I wrote in here they had not yet experienced, but I think they had experienced. The angels were right before them. The host of heaven and the glory of God shone around them. They were terrified. They experienced God firsthand, didn't they? And that message was revealed firsthand, but they had not yet seen it for themselves. So they hurried to confirm what had been told. Similarly, we see this with Jesus after he had risen from the dead. We see this in John chapter 20. Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to some of the disciples, but there was someone missing, wasn't there? Who was missing? Thomas wasn't there. We call him what? Doubting Thomas. Why? Because he had heard, but he had not yet seen yet, right? So in John 20, we pick up that story. In verse 24, it says, But Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, We've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. So they had heard and seen, and now they're telling him. So he has heard. But he said to them, if if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will never believe. Careful now, right? It's important for us to hear, and it's important for us to see. But God is revealing himself to us in the midst of all kinds of ways throughout humanity and throughout Scripture that we can see plainly. He goes on, a week later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded to him, My Lord, And my God. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. And this is our anchor verse, the next verse, in the same passage. But these are written. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. You see, there's such an importance for us. We have, we have heard about Jesus, and, and God is convincing our heart of the truth of that story and that message through experiences, through taps on the shoulder. God is doing that. It's all up to us to act in faith and see in what we have believed and heard. We want to trust that with all of our heart. Uh, he says, blessed are those who haven't seen. We don't get to see Jesus' nails in his hands, but we have the message about it. We have the stories about it. And there's, he did us a favor. I want to read one more passage out of John chapter 16 for this, this point. John 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples saying, listen, I'm going to be going away from you soon. He says, I'm now going away to him who sent me. And, and not one of you, uh, and not one of, uh, sorry, not one of you asked me, where are you going? Yet, because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So he says, I'm leaving and they are sad. Right? He says, nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Right? It's great that you've you've heard these things and know these stories and seen me and seen what's happened and that you believe. But it's better that I go away because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, this is is God's Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. See, this is, this is uh, someone convincing us, letting us see with our heart that it's true. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. See, God is sending His Spirit. As, as Jesus ascended into heaven, the Spirit is now here testifying to the truth of Jesus Christ. And that you and I are without excuse. We, we could say, well, I heard about it, but I never saw it. No, Jesus is now, through the power of His Spirit, revealing that truth to us. And we have no excuse to not believe. Because God is stirring that in our heart. He says, I still have many things to tell you that you can't bear them right now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. It's so important for this to be confirmed on earth. It's so important for this to be confirmed in your heart and in my heart. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the baby Jesus. Yeah, yeah, the baby Jesus. I, I get it. That's the story. we say carols, great. Pass me a present and an eggnog. That, that's the mentality we have. We peer into the manger and we say, oh, there's a Jesus, this baby, and we're done there. That is not where the story ended. Jesus came to be born so he could live and to die for you and for I. That we could have life through His name, because there's power in the name of Jesus, and there's there's power in the message of the gospel. We're not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power unto salvation for all who would believe. But the charge for you and I is, believe it. Stop hearing the story, stop singing the song if you don't believe it. Lean into to the message, the good news, the hope of Jesus Christ, and believe in faith that, of what, for what Christ did for you. That's the message of Christmas. That's how we confirm it on earth. And if you're just waiting for eggnog and presents, you are missing it. You're missing it. And I'm so glad that you're here today, but some of you today are missing it. You came for the the lights and the, the songs and you came for maybe a little pageant from the kids and their little shepherd costumes and you're missing the fact that this is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus stirring in your heart and drawing you into life with Him. And you keep pushing Him away. Confirm in your heart, believe from your heart that Christ is who he said he is. That leads us to our fourth and final point. The birth of Christ calls for a response. It calls for a response. Let's read the last part of this passage, verses 17 through 20 together. After seeing them, this is the shepherds were there, right? After seeing them, They reported the message that they were told about this child. So they come to the manger, and they say, we just saw heaven's armies on the hillside, and the radiance and glory of God telling us this. So they shared the message about the child. In verse 18, it says, And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. All. All who heard it were amazed. But there's a contrast here. Look at the next verse. Verse 19. But Mary... Was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Then, verse 20, the shepherds returned to their fields, right, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, which was just as they had been told. It's interesting, we read the text, and we even had a song that was saying about this that, that everyone was amazed, and it's good to be amazed. The story is amazing, but it stops being amazing the minute we don't believe it and go farther, it becomes ridiculous. Why give all that time singing about a baby Jesus if there's no salvation through baby Jesus? If he's not the Savior, give up on it and move on. The story is ridiculous. The message is ridiculous unless it's true. And we have to believe it, right? We have to move on beyond just, oh, yeah, baby Jesus in the manger. We move on beyond that. Here's what happened. We see three groups of people here. We see all who heard, right? It said all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. They were really, like, astounded, like, wow, this is this is interesting news amazing interesting news right and and th- but there's a contrast we see look at the next word here in verse 18 or verse 19 rather it says but Mary So there's a, Luke is writing and he's saying there's there's the difference here. there's a difference between the amazement of all who heard and how Mary responded. There's a difference. All who heard did not respond the way Mary responded. All who heard will be amazed. Like, wow, that's a pretty impressive story. That's interesting. And they might go about their business. But what did Mary do? We see something different in the response from her heart. All who heard were amazed, right? This is a corporate response uh, of the masses. It's a majority thing. Like, oh, that's a fun, cuddly story. But it's easily dismissed if it's not treasured and molded over in the heart. Here's the fact of the Christmas story, and maybe this is for you or has been for years. It tickled their ears, but it missed their heart. It tickled their ears. Oh, that's amazing. But it missed their heart. And it's contrasted with Mary. It says, Mary was treasuring up these things in her heart and meditating on them. You see, Mary had a a lot of time to treasure those things up and meditate on them. But now the baby had been born, and and this is a dark, mangy, gross place, a cold night. And what do we do? What's next? Is this really the Savior that was promised? What does this mean? And, And that confirmation, you think about that, that confirmation, these two young kids in a stable by a feeding trough. Wondering what's next? Is this real? We came all the way to Bethlehem. And then what happens? The shepherds come and say, Holy cow, God's heavenly army just appeared and sang this amazing song about the peace he was bringing to earth through that little baby. And that's the sign. You think about a faith that increases and builds up. I'm getting goosebumps just now thinking about it. That's amazing. The story is amazing. So Mary treasured in this ongoing, deep, reflective, and, and and proper response to what happened. She treasured and pondered those things in her heart. Don't don't so easily dismiss the amazement of the story and go back to your normal routine. You'll miss it. Treasure it in your heart. And the final group there was the shepherds. Right? We see the shepherds, and they they certainly believed Mary believed and trusted in faith who Jesus was the shepherds believed and trusted in faith who Jesus was just as the angels had said that uh, that he was and the shepherds were transformed right the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard were, which were just as they had been told so they believed and treasured that and they they were transformed see when god's word comes to pass when the message is presented then faith should be expressed and then a testimony should follow too many of us have a, a shallow story. You're like, I know an amazing story, but it really hasn't changed you a bit. And that story doesn't know you. Jesus wants to know you. The shepherds returned home and with their faith confirmed and deepened. And it produced joy from their hearts, from hearts that believed in the Savior given for all people. That's what we are called to do so it's not enough to hear about jesus it's not enough to peek in to the manger and say oh how nice what a lovely scene it gives me such good feelings the truth is that even if christ were born in bethlehem a thousand times but not born within you you would be eternally lost it doesn't matter if you don't do anything with the savior so get rid of all the other saviors get rid of everything else you're putting hope in and trust in him religious sentiment during especially during christmas time without the living christ within us is just the same road to darkness that we've always been in but christ christ is the light of life amen and this has been written to tie it all back to our anchoring verse This has been written, that we may believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, we might have life in His name. In the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, the King of Glory, the one that brings good news of great joy for all people. We are going to stand in prayer. I'll ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to sing a couple more songs together. Yes, we are. <laughs> would you Would you join me in prayer uh, as we get ready to, to worship again? Father, we are so so glad that that we get to celebrate you all year long, but especially during this season, God, uh, you are on our hearts and minds even uh, more so. But God, help us not not get so tied up and and consumed with the commercialism of a holiday. Let us not get so enthralled with just a, a carol or a story, but let us peer in and see Jesus and embrace Jesus, the one that was born to be born in us, that we could have life through Christ in His name. God, we acknowledge our sinful state. We acknowledge in humility that we are nothing and we deserve nothing and we can achieve nothing on our own. We thank You that You came to not only teach and show away, but You humbled yourself, and became obedient to death on a cross. You died in my place. You died in our place. That if we would believe in you and your Son, we would have the real hope, the good news of great joy, forgiveness and peace, and eternal life with you. We praise you in Jesus' name.